Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Study Setup podcast. We're finally back, finally able to record this episode that me and the guest today have been planning for a while. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, hi, I'm Kylie. Um, my Instagram is Food with Kylie, and my TikTok is Kylie Recovers. Um, I'm a 20-year-old in college, and I'm actively recovering from anorexia nervosa. Um, some little things about me is I'm majoring in early childhood education, and I'm working as a dance teacher at my dance studio, and I'm also working at a daycare. So, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned your Instagram, which is how probably a lot of listeners would know you from. That's how I found you was through Instagram and TikTok. Um, And you share a lot about your eating disorder recovery, mainly on there. It's focused around that. At what point did your eating disorder start to develop? And was it, would you say it was sparked from like social media or what kind of pushed you in that direction? Yeah, so my eating disorder started in 2020, I would say like around March when um, the pandemic started, when I know a lot of other people also started struggling. Um, I would say what sparked it was definitely social media and also like my own self insecurities. Because for as long as I can remember in like middle school, like maybe a bit TMI, but after I got my period, obviously your body changes. And I started getting hips and At this point, I was 12, and I didn't look like all the other girls, so I was always comparing myself, I feel like, and then when the pandemic started, that was, like, my time where I was, like, I have all this time that I'm going to focus on me, and I'm going to, you know, try to maybe change how I look, even though I was healthy and happy, Um, and what turned into, like, just watching my diet and trying to, um, you know, control what my body looked like um, actually developed into my eating disorder, so... Something simple turned into something super harmful. Yeah, I think especially around the time of the pandemic, the big like self-improvement, you have all this time, use it wisely. Was it really, I know that's for me too, exact same narrative and that pushed a lot of people in that way. But how did your recovery journey start? Did someone reach out to you? Yeah, so actually I would say it was like 50-50. So I started to show like symptoms of disordered eating throughout like my senior year of high school, so 2021. But at this point I was actively also competitively dancing. So Mm -hmm. I was spending a lot of time at my dance studio and I wasn't home for dinners. So my parents weren't really seeing what I was like prepping for myself, like what I was feeding myself with, you know, like what all the nutritional benefits of the stuff I was eating was, like how everything basically how I was doing um, because I was never home. And then after I graduated and I was starting to show like more symptoms at home, my parents were a little bit more concerned. And then I started to realize that maybe I do have a problem. Um, Funny thing, I actually did look up like three times symptoms of eating disorders and I would read off of all the symptoms and I'd be like, okay, I meet that. I'm like, but I don't have one. I was in such denial and I think my parents and I, I remember we like sat down um, and we talked about, hey, I think you need to set up an appointment with your doctor because at the point I was 18. So like, I mean, I could, I don't know, they could have, they could have made the appointment, but also I was 18. So I could have decided. And um, we were like, my parents were like, you're, we're concerned about you. Like you're not doing well. Um, So then I made the choice to go to my doctor and then I was diagnosed with anorexia in September and I started treatment in October. 
So it was like a 50, 50 thing. So it was, I was willing to, but my parents were, my parents were pushing for it a little bit more than I was because I was in such denial for such a long time. I think that's pretty common being in such denial. And it's funny because at least in my experience, just like you mentioned, you met all the symptoms that were online, but you denied it. I think you, everyone always thinks they're like, you know, the odd one out. Like this applies to everyone who has an eating disorder but me because I don't have one. Um, And so that's really honestly powerful that you were willing to go see a doctor too. Obviously wasn't all your will, but I think that's obviously a huge step in recovery. Um, What was your recovery experience, like your treatment experience? Um, So I was put on a wait list um, because Iowa, I live in Iowa, so we don't have many mental health resources around, especially for eating disorders. So I was put on a wait list for over a month. Mm -hmm. Um, No, like just no matter what I was at, they weren't going to like do anything. So I had to wait. And so that was how my treatment basically started was I was struggling so much my like mentality. And I know it's common with eating disorders to like have your mind tell you that you need to get sicker before you can start. So that is something that I struggled with at the beginning of my recovery because I was like, I was waiting to get all the treatment I needed for about a month. And then I started outpatient treatment um, at my local hospital and I wasn't meeting, I wasn't really in like recovery. I was in quasi definitely, Mm. Um, wasn't meeting any of my weigh-ins. I was definitely still struggling. And then I got pushed into intensive outpatient because my parents were like, inpatient's not for her. Like, she's not going to thrive well, which I know I wouldn't because I'm definitely a homebody. I need to be home to thrive. So I did intensive outpatient and my team realized that I could not do it my own or like on my own. So we started family-based therapy, which was definitely one of the hardest things ever, but I think it was honestly worth it. Um, and that's that's about as far up as my treatment went. I never went to like residential or anything. Mm. It definitely got talked about. Um, and like, that's something that my eating disorder is like, oh, you're so invalid because you never like, you know, got sent away. But honestly, you're all valid, like no matter what. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just did very, very intensive um, outpatient and family-based therapy with like family sessions. My parents had all control over my food. I was on bed rest. I couldn't do anything. Um, I actually had to do my first semester of college or yeah, the second semester of my first year um, at home on my couch because I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't move. I got everything taken away. So that's basically my like treatment. Um, And yeah, I was put on supplements too. So that was for those of you with those, I know, I know your pain. They don't taste good, but (laughs) you got to get through it. Yeah, I, well, my experience with supplements, my doctor was like, hey, take Boost, and I drank it, and I could not get it down, so I met with my dietitian, I was like, I will eat a whole meal in between breakfast and lunch if I don't have to take supplements, and she was like, okay, so I had my meal plan plus an extra meal the whole way through, and she was like, if you're happy, then in, you're meeting your weights, it's fine, um, but I don't know, like, I just can't. And then it was funny because we have them all in our fridge still. Like, there's the boosts are still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I did the I did the insurers. So we just got rid of all mine because they expired. But we did. We have a fridge. I'm currently downstairs, and we have a fridge downstairs, and it was just all insurers. And I'm like, "Mm, 
It's the recovery beverage fridge. (laughs) No, seriously. I would be like, okay, time to go like supplement. But I, I did not. I think the only flavor I liked was um, an Insure original and it was banana nut. And that was the Mm -hmm. one flavor that I was like, oh, I can't wait. Other than that, it was gross. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you struggled with identity recovering from an eating disorder? And what was so hard for you giving up that part of your identity? Um, I think I honestly did, um, a little bit, uh, as much as I don't want to, you know, admit that, but I definitely during my eating disorder and throughout recovery, I feel like that was all I was, was like what I was eating and my actual diagnosis. Like after I got diagnosed, I was like, oh my God, I'm a walking anorexia. Like (laughs) that's what I felt like I identified as. So it was really hard to give that up because I'm like, what the heck am I going to be? Like I knew who I was pre-ED but I lost that and I didn't know who I was going to be after or like throughout Mm. recovery. So honestly, I don't know. It was just, it was overall super hard to give up, but after like after um, recovery and stuff, I started to gain my personality back, my smile. Um, And now I could care less about that like identity because I know I'm not like my diagnosis and I'm not my eating disorder. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And who would you say you are? after recovery I would, I would say I'm I'm gonna use what people usually call me um they say that I'm a bubbly like super patient um I'm known to always smile um obviously don't mask your emotions because that's yeah. not good but I've always been a pretty happy girl so everybody says that I'm now like the bubbly bubbly fun loving like adventurous Kylie that's what everybody says and they always say that I'm super like warm-hearted especially because I want to work with young kids Mm. so everyone's like you just have that passion and that shine in you so I'm just I'm just a bubbly person (laughs) that's awesome there's truly no better feeling than people telling you like how you are post-recovery and you're just like that's like exactly who I want to be and that's yeah right like that's that's me so I'm so happy that I'm not like any longer um I don't know, that I've now come to terms with who I am as a person and I'm more than just my little mental health (laughs) issue, my silly little mental health. (laughs) Yeah. How did you work through guilt when facing a fear food in recovery? Um, everybody says this, but it's distractions all the way. Um, for me, I always loved coloring. That was always something that I did growing up. And that was one thing that I used a lot when I was feel like dealing with lots of guilt. Um, another thing that I did was I also like would talk to my parents about it. I wouldn't hide that I was feeling guilty because mm-hmm. also how I was when I was like feeling guilty and like still every now and then it hits me because, you know, everything's not perfect. But um, I'll like shut down. My face will like go blank and I'll just sit and stare into space. So my parents will always be like, hey, Kylie, like what's going on? And I've learned to be really open about how I'm feeling. That also helped me cope a lot because I don't know, just being open and honest with those you trust is super helpful with coping. And one thing that I did and it actually helps a lot. OK, everyone's going to laugh at me for this, but I scream into pillows <laughs> like, like if I'm mad. Or, like, if my eating disorder is being really loud and, like, I I can't control it, instead of acting on urges, I will go into my room, lay on my bed face down, and just scream. Just scream, like, once. And then I'll be like, okay, I got all that feeling out and that guilt. (laughs) That's, like, Um, 
that's good though because then you're releasing your feelings like I definitely yeah I could I could I vibe with that for sure yeah it's it's honestly it works so much after actually my mom told me to do that it was after I started like outpatient recovery I remember it was on Halloween and my mom goes go into my room and scream in a pillow and that's how that started I don't do it all the time but it's just like that's one of the things that I do that (laughs) helps me feel a bit better because I don't know sometimes it's like an indescribable feeling that you can't put into words and I just want to like either scream or cry you need to release it somehow yeah and like I know a lot of people like or like not a lot of people, but some people can't do movement. Like for me, I dance to like express all my emotions. So that was also a coping mechanism after I got cleared and like was stable for months and um, like my medical, everything was good. Um, That's also another thing I do, but mainly coloring, dancing, oh, yoga and stretching. I do that a lot. And I play with my cat. If any of you follow me, oh my God, my cat is my life. Milo will appear everywhere on my social medias. <laughs> He's also my <laughs> mechanism. Yeah. And how would you say your family having complete control over your food affected your recovery? Do you think that was a positive for you, a negative, like facing fear foods, all that? I think it was honestly a positive because if I was like doing it myself in early recovery, I, I wouldn't do it. I would say I did it, but I wouldn't do it. Like if I was alone, um, And it also helped me rediscover, like, my favorite foods because my eating disorder, like, convinced me that, oh, I didn't like mac and cheese anymore, for example. And when I got that, like, when my parents plated me up mac and cheese, I was like, oh, no, I don't like it. And then I ate it. And I was like, just kidding. Yeah. I do like it. So as hard as it was, I think it was it was very helpful. And I wouldn't be where I am today without my, like, parents controlling my food and also supporting me in that way. Yeah, that's awesome. You share a little bit about your boyfriend supporting you um, on social media. So throughout all the stages of recovery, what has support from him looked like? Um, It is honestly looks like nothing but pure just support, like the word support. Like, I mean, he's been there for me since like the top beginning. Um, our Our story goes back to when I posted on Instagram, on my personal Instagram about my diagnosis and being like, hey, I have an eating disorder. Um, and then he reached out to me, wrote me like three paragraphs um, on Snapchat about how he's always going to be there for me. And since then, he really has been there for me. Um, when the talks about like, I got like, okay, I want to say threatened, but um, I did talk about my to my counselor about going to residential. And when that came about, I like talked to him about it. And he's like, I'm always going to be here for you, like, no matter what. And he really has been. He is like, and he motivates me so much because he has such a good relationship with food and like his body um, that that like helped me. I'm like, oh my God, he's eating one of my fear foods. And I'm like, he's not changing. So yeah, I can do that. He's just, he's truly a special, special human. And I'm so glad that I have him to also support me. Um, and like when I would challenge fear foods, for example, ice cream cake. There's a long story behind ice cream cake. Um, basically, it was his birthday, and that's one of his favorite types of, like, birthday cakes. Mm. And he had it, and it was spontaneous, so I kind of had a little meltdown moment. And he just sat there, and instead of, like, judging me for, like, crying over food, because some people don't get it, he gets it to the extent that he can understand. And he, like, he rubbed my back, and he made me laugh, and he's like, 
It's not going to hurt you. And guess what? It didn't hurt me. Reality check. Yeah. It didn't do anything. But he's just always been there. And he's showered me. And his parents, too. They they know. So That's so sweet. It's so comforting. <laughs> yeah. And have you guys been dating since, like, before your diagnosis or in the middle? When did you guys start dating? Um. So we started dating... Um, Actually, funny thing, he graduated a year before me. We never talked, like, prior to him Snapchatting me. Um, so we started dating. I would say we started talking the day I posted about my um, eating disorder, so a mm. few days after a diagnosis. And then ever since then, we clicked, and it like kept leading up. And I would say we talked for, like, three months. So I was in early recovery when we first started dating. And I remember telling him exactly these words. I said just so you know, I'm going to change and I'm going to gain weight. And I'm like, because I'm in recovery and his words to this day stick with me. And this is how I knew he was the one. He went, Kylie, I don't care how much gait, how much weight you gain. I just care about your personality and that you are okay, like mentally and you're happy. So I was like, yeah, this is the man. And since then, we've been like on a like uphill streak. Um, and if it weren't for recovery, I wouldn't be talking about like we're talking about moving in together within the next like year. Or so after we graduate college and we talk about having a family and we're going to get a pet bunny. So <laughs> if it wasn't for recovery, I wouldn't be able to be there. And if it wasn't for his support, I also probably wouldn't be where I am today. That's so awesome. Wow. That's so awesome. How can anyone show support to someone with an eating disorder um honestly just being there for the person and know their personal triggers um I know like to the people that would be around me I would say hey please don't mention like calories or like triggering words um and just having just telling people to be there for the person and you know watch what they're saying um don't make comments about what we're eating or like our food or like stuff like that and also being open to listen um when like that person needs to vent out a little bit um Mm -hmm. if you're supporting someone super close to you obviously they're gonna feel enough comfort around you to go out and share their emotions so honestly just listen to them and try to give as much support as you can and also I would say educating yourself um that's one of my goals on like social media and like throughout my life now as I'm advocating for mental health and like eating disorder awareness I want to spread on facts about eating disorder it's like even on my personal Instagram I'll post like here's ways to like help someone with an eating disorder or like things not to say just like stuff like that and I've also like posted facts about eating disorders about how they're all mental and they're not based on your body weight like you don't always need to lose weight with it like no matter what, it's a mental thing. So I would say educating yourself too. So yeah, that's a big one is education because, you know, a lot of people are not aware of the reality of an eating disorder until someone close in their life has one. And I know for me, eating disorders were like the thing we learned about in health class. We spent three days, we watched a 10 minute YouTube clip. We discussed like anorexia is this, bulimia is this. And I was like, oh, like, that's so weird. Like, why would you ever not eat? Like, why would you starve yourself? Why, you yeah. know? And then yeah. reality sinks in and you're like, like, this is me. Like, this is, I'm living in this reality. And it's crazy to think about 
how much more aware you are once you've walked through it or watched someone walk through it because I'll talk to my mom now about things and she gets it because she's seen me walk through it but you know other people who aren't as close in my life or anyone with an eating disorder's life just don't have that awareness and raising awareness for it is definitely the first step in preventing them yeah I agree 100% I actually I remember in like middle school early high school we did do an eating disorder unit in um, school and I remember saying to my friend, I could never have an eating disorder because I love food too much. And that is a true statement. I love food. But like, I mean, the reality is I got one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in nobody in my family's ever had one. So this was kind of like a first hope. Hope to God nobody else gets one. Mm -mm, We're not Mm. doing this. But like what you said about like until you walk through someone's shoes, you don't really know. So I'm trying to do as much as I can for those that don't understand to like kind of understand. Like my parents, for example, they didn't understand why I did it or like they don't really understand like what's going on in your head and all those constant little like, I say that there's little voices in your head, not like schizophrenia, but like there is like a little, like your own voice in your head that says, oh, don't eat that or something like that. So I get that when it's like, we need to, if you haven't walked through it, you don't understand, but I'm going to try to make you understand as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What are your goals when it comes to social media and promoting true recovery? How do you go about that? Um, I go about that. I am, I've gotten a lot of like messages from people saying that my vulnerability and my honesty has been something that not a lot of recovery accounts do. Obviously, I don't post triggering content. We, we don't do that. That is yeah. a big no-no if you're going to be in the recovery community posting about your story. But I would say I'm trying. I'm doing my best at being honest with everybody that follows me and supports me to let them know that they are not alone while I'm also mm-hmm. advocating for like, I like to say that not every day is perfect and it's not linear because we're healing. So actually the other day I posted about my body because all you see on social media is staged, staged crap. And I'm like, you know what? I've had enough of it. So I posted a picture of me like in a changing room in a bikini after my like recovered body, like everything, like true hips, true everything. And like, that's the type of vulnerability and like honesty that I like to post. I will post me having a complete meltdown and being like, if you're also feeling like this, you are not alone and stuff like that. I like to just, and then I also obviously shine light on the like good stuff. Recently, there's been more good than bad. And that's what healing and recovery is like. But then you are going to have those days where you're not doing so good. And like, I'll openly post it. Like last night, I had a big fear food for dinner. I had a big fear food for dinner. And um, uh, there were actually calories on the menu. So that is something that I still struggle with in my mind, like those numbers sticking. And I'm going to be open and vulnerable about it. I wasn't feeling the best after I ate that. But then I went out, I did some distractions and now I'm fine. Like life goes on. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's yeah. It's not like I died overnight (laughs) or like the pancakes I ate are going to kill me the next day. Like truth is it's, it's linear. So I like to really shine a light on the good and the bad and the ugly and like every single bit, just nothing with numbers or anything because that's not good. <laughs> but. Yeah. I saw your post about that you posted in the changing room. And I was like, this is so powerful because there's so much 
just fake stuff on social media. And I know if I mindlessly go on social media and just scroll, I will see so many fake things, but it won't be registering in my mind that it's fake. So then I'm constantly comparing myself to these people on social media, um, which is so toxic. And so I think that's one thing I really appreciate about your account and other true recovery accounts is just like, hey, this is what normal people eat, is what normal people do, is what normal people look like, like not striving for some picture perfect, not, you know, photoshopped. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I cannot stand like, I mean, because the peak of my eating disorder was because of social media. And I truly do believe that. Um, And I'm like, I'm so against all that photoshopping stuff. And I tried for so long to like pose good for pictures. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't post like any pictures in a bikini because I did not like my body or how it was because I didn't look like, you know, beauty standard. Um, But now I've like come to terms like this summer, I'm going to truly shine a light on like what an actual 20 year old body looks like. Um, I'm not 15 anymore. So obviously it changes. And I have my own body. I like to say I'm like, I don't know, this is some people are going to probably be like, no, you're not. But I think I'm like midsize because I have hips. But I also like, it's so weird. My body is just perfect in my own eyes. And I think that that's the most important thing is. It's like coming to peace with yourself and all that. it's not, it rolls when I sit down. Like that's normal. Like mm-hmm. I'm 20 years old. I'm going to, I'm going to have a bit of curvage going on. And one thing that really I would always pick out about myself is my lower abdomen and hip area. That would be my biggest concern. And now I've come to terms with it because I'm like one day that that's going to carry like a baby for me and I'm going to be able to be a mom someday. And it's just protecting all those precious organs that helped me fulfill my dream because like I've wanted to be a mom ever since I was little. Like that's all yeah. I can remember. I was put on this earth to be a mom. And that's one of the things that I'm also reminding myself about is like being a woman, our body, like obviously it does a lot of good, but we're going to have some curves. And if you don't, yeah. that's okay. If you do, that's okay. Like everybody is beautiful in every single way. And I like to say the quote, um, I think it's like, all size, like all sizes and shapes are beautiful stuff, something like that. Along yeah. Because yeah. it is true. And health, health comes in all sizes. So yeah, I love that for sure. So obviously, one of your big passions is dance. And you're back to dancing now, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. How did having dance on the horizon in the future, on the other side of recovery help you when you were going through hard moments? Um, it reminded me that if I keep pushing on, I'm going to be able to get this love and passion back. Um, and it really did suck for a while because growing up, that was my, like, I had a love and a passion for dance since a very young age. So it's something I grew up with. And when I got it taken away, I'm like, crap, one of my coping mechanisms is now taken away. Cause I really did use that to cope in like a healthy way, obviously. Um, so when that got taken away, I was like, okay, I need to push for recovery so that I can get that back because I would see like videos of other dancers going out or I'd see like everybody from my studio or like my friends they were dancing and training and I'm like okay I miss that so I was like I need to get back to healthy mindset body you know everything like that so that I can be able to do the thing I love again and I think it was I think last not last summer but 
maybe the beginning of fall is when I 100% got cleared to do dance again. And since then, I've been doing it mindfully. Um, since I'm 20, I don't compete anymore because I'm out of high school. So yeah, um, I teach now, which is good because I'm still I'm still dancing. But I also have like, I'll go into the studio 30 minutes before my classes start and I will just dance at all my emotions. And I, I've come to that, I don't know, that point in my recovery where I can truly feel my expression again, like through moving my body. Um, and it was honestly one of my biggest motivators because having that be my life for a long time and then have it be taken away, it was honestly hard. So that was one of the, one of the really big things where I was like, okay, I got to get recovery going. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's so, it's such a liberating feeling to get back to something that was taken away from you in recovery. Yes, I agree 100%. And I like to, I actually just posted about this on my Instagram. When I say I'm a dancer with anorexia, a lot of people stereotype that and be like, oh my gosh, she got an eating disorder because of the dance community. That is not true whatsoever. My studio is actually very body positivity. And when I shined the light and said, hey, I have this, everybody like made sure it wasn't dance related. I'm like, nope, it was just social media. So that's also a big thing is like, I want people to know that not every dancer in eating disorder recovery or that has an eating disorder, it's not from the sport itself. It's from maybe personal things. Like for me, it was my own insecurities. So it's different for everyone, but yeah. Yeah. And it's really such a good feeling having it back. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What is your biggest or a couple of your biggest accomplishments so far in recovery? I would say getting the freedom back that I truly wanted. Um, Last summer, I'm almost coming up almost about a year and a half or no, like about half a year um, ago, I said that I was going to go all in. um, And that I think has really gave me more freedom in my life. Like I'm eating what I want, when I want, basically. Um, I would say that's one of my biggest accomplishments and also finding peace with myself. Obviously, I still have my mind battling against me every day, but that's something that I've learned to like, just cope with. And if it's loud, I'm just going to be like, okay, be quiet. I'm going to go do my thing now. And you're not going to have a say in what I do during my day. Um, So I would say like, my biggest, um, accomplishment has been the growth I've seen and I felt throughout myself and also like coming to terms with my body and my mind and being at peace with how I look and accepting that my body's going to change as I grow. So that's something that I don't think I would have imagined myself doing or being at, I don't know, like the past few years. Yeah. I'm so upset with myself, but now I've found peace and I'm pretty, I think that that's a big accomplishment. And I've also been raising more awareness, like, Mm. on, obviously, my social media, like, my public stuff, but then also, like, my family and stuff. I've also educated them more about eating disorders and mental health, like, not even just eating disorders, like, normalizing anxiety and depression and stuff like that. I also think that that's been an accomplishment because I've seen my family become a little more open about recognizing that mental health is on the rise and it needs to be normalized and, you know, treated as health. Yeah, that's awesome. What is your biggest piece of advice for people in the early stages of recovery right now? 
I know a lot of people say it and it's easier said than done, but don't give up and keep going for as much as you want to relapse and that mind is being like aggravating and just attacking you. You need to constantly give yourself reminders about how life and recovery will be after you get through these like first few bumps in the road um and relapsing and going backwards to your eating disorder really isn't doing any good it's just gonna set you back more um I relapsed within the first few months of recovery and I mean yeah it also pushed me harder to recovery but also it didn't do any good it just set me back so I would say um just keep pushing on and um just like be patient with yourself that was one big thing that I had to be patient with my body as it was learning to heal and process things again so yeah yeah that's so true recovery just takes time sometimes and it does yeah yeah well I have a couple fun closing questions yay first one being what is your all-time favorite food that you rediscovered or discovered with recovery? Definitely sushi. <laughs> okay, same. Literally, yeah. 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 <laughs> I like, okay, before I liked seafood, but I'm like, sushi's disgusting. I'm never going to eat it. Like, that's gross. How could you do that? And then recovery hit. And I'm like, okay, it actually sounds kind of good. And then I had it and now I'm like obsessed. I love California rolls. I love spicy tuna rolls. Just Same. hit me up with anything. I'm, I'm cool with sushi now. So I'm honestly really surprised that I have a love for that. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like my taste buds changed. Like they did a 180 after recovery because oh, before yeah. recovery, I loved like chicken and stuff. And I hated like the idea of sushi now mm-hmm. I can barely get down a piece of chicken, but I love sushi. Like, love it. You know, it's crazy. No, me too. I think that it's changed because like the same thing with sweet potatoes. I used to hate, like my parents would tell me I love sweet potatoes as a baby. And then I hated them all throughout my life. And then after like my eating disorder and like recovery started, I'm like, maybe I'll give it a try again. And yeah. now I'm like obsessed. I had one for breakfast. I put some peanut butter on it. Oh, she was amazing. But yeah, I definitely think your taste buds changed. So yeah, yeah. Who is your biggest role model in life? I would say my mom, Mm. like a lot of my family members, but definitely my mom, because she's been through so much in her life. And, you know, we've been through some family um, deaths that have taken a toll on all of us. And in September, when I got diagnosed with my eating disorder, actually a few weeks before um, my grandma passed away. And then so after having her mom pass away and then having me get a diagnosis of an eating disorder it was just like I was a lot all at once and she trucked through it and obviously she normalizes that she had bad days and but she was still strong for her family herself and you know her kids everything like that so definitely my mom and she's also my best friend in the entire world I would not be anywhere without her I love her moms are superheroes like right yeah right shout out to Melissa hey girl (laughs) that's so funny what's your all-time favorite quote oh boy there's a lot of them I feel like or any Um, saying like yeah I would say like come as you are Mm. I really like that because it's like promoting that you don't need to change yourself um accept everybody as they are like shape size color heritage culture like 
no matter what, I'm going to appreciate you. And we all are the same on the inside. Um, and I believe that people, that people are good on the inside, like, yeah, no matter what they do, yeah. obviously some things people do aren't right, but you know, everybody has something going on. So I just think come as you are is definitely one of my favorite quotes because I think it's meaningful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kylie, for coming on the podcast. It was wonderful having you. This was so fun. Yeah. Why don't you give everyone your Instagram and TikTok one more time? Okay. My Instagram is food with Kylie. And then my TikTok is Kylie recovers. Um, And yeah, I'm going to be posting some more fun videos. (laughs) I've been expanding. Go give her a follow. You will not want to miss it. Um, Again, thank you so much for coming on. And I will catch you guys in the next one.